When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Hello and welcome to On the Farm Pitcher List podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I'm your host, Lamar Gibson. Uh, Jake is going to be taking an early stint on the IL today. Um, he's a little bit under the weather, but he should be back on the mic soon. But luckily, um, off the bench from our dynasty team at Pitcher List, we have Matt Heckman stepping in. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah. Watched the World Baseball Classic last night. So Kyle Schwarber hit that big three-run home run. As a Phillies fan, always love when that happens. But I'm doing good. Yeah, excited to be on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, again, thanks for, for stepping in. And um, what we're going to be talking about today, uh, as Dynasty drafts are, are most, most likely getting into their later rounds, if you've been doing slow drafts, um, we want to kind of jump into the deep end of, of the pool, especially for deep leagues, and look at some prospect pitchers that um, could be notable, kind of some hidden gems that we are looking to uncover for our deep dynasty league players. Uh, but before doing so, Matt, uh, we always like to kind of shout out anything that's caught our eye in spring training, or like you mentioned, now that we have the World Baseball Classic going on. So uh, outside of the Schwarber bomb, uh, anything else of note uh, that you've seen? Um, I mean, it's just glad I'm glad at baseball back. I feel like that's the biggest thing. I've been watching some prospects. Uh, Casey Schmidt, I've been tweeted about him a couple times. I think now David Villar is hurt. I yeah. think Casey Schmidt has a real chance to. Yeah. I think he people are doubting whether he breaks camp, and I still don't know how likely it is he breaks camp with the Giants, but that glove is so good, and so that bat just needs to be average. I think he'll be with the team sooner. He's been somebody I've been keeping a close eye on this yeah. spring. He's really stood out. Yeah, we talked about Schmidt. Uh, that's one of Jake's guys. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Schmidt uh, a couple episodes ago as well. So so definitely you're in line yeah. with the on-the-farm thinking <laughs> Um, and I, I saw that as well, that Villar um, a little banged up now. So, you know, potential openings for for Schmidt. Um, and I agree wholeheartedly, like the glove is is where um, he really kind of made his name in the organization. And I think what they've seen in the last uh, year or so with the bat is like icing on the cake for them. And yeah, if that maintains, then he's going to be able to play somewhere, especially we know um, with the Giants. Uh, they're, again, one of those teams, and we talked about it uh, last uh, last episode, I believe, you know, some of these teams that really value being able to mix and match guys that can play multiple positions, yeah. um, they can put, you know, a, a few different places. I would put the Giants probably, um, they, they're not as optimized as the teams we talked about, the Dodgers, the Rays, but they're kind of in that second tier of like, they they like the uh, uh, Tyro, Tyro Estradas yeah. of the world that Gabe can, Kaffler. you know, play short, play some left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, uh, uh, Schmidt definitely falls in line there. Villar, actually, that's part of what was his appeal as well, being able to play left, being able to play third as well. So, um, yeah, I would say just on, on my end, I know kind of late breaking, making the, making the rounds with some video of uh, uh, Ethan Salas, yeah. uh, San Diego Padres, and, and people really being wild at a 16-year-old playing in a spring training game. 
um the original look that i had i, I didn't see it live and so i literally was just looking at it um like before we started recording and the original video that i saw i was kind of like oh you know it's, it's obviously impressive like don't get me wrong but the video itself was kind of like weathers was uh the picture ryan weathers was the picture that uh silas was catching it was kind of like a lot of pictures like down the middle and i'm like okay well like okay you should be able to yeah. catch that that's that's nice um but then i saw kind of a a, a, a longer compilation of um the pictures and, and there was some really nice framework and obviously we know um with robo umps coming you know framing might become lesser valued but still for a 16 year old to show he was able to, to steal some strikes for weathers even in the spring training game that's super very very impressive um so yeah it's just kind of interesting to see what the Padres are going to do obviously you know still expect him to start in the lower minors but um you know are they going to put him on the fast track uh especially if he starts to hit even just a, a modicum above league average are they going to start to kind of push him through so it's just a uh, solace is somebody that i find interesting to watch and one other name just from a dynasty perspective even though he's definitely not a prospect anymore um i do want to highlight jt brubaker i've been having a couple of different conversations about him he's been lighting it up in spring training i think some people uh and i had a really good conversation on uh online where somebody pointed out you know he's he's been apt to give up home runs gave up 28 his full rookie year uh 17 last year so the home run uh ball is still a bugaboo for him but uh if you look into his pitch quality metrics whether you're looking at quality of pitch whether you're looking at um obviously uh, pitching bot just went live on fan graphs now if you're looking at it through that if you're looking at it through um our own plv uh the the, the underlying data shows that brubaker has some yeah. stuff and, and now you're starting to see it in spring training like starting to get a lot of whiffs racking up a lot of strikeouts um, I don't think he's an ace. I don't think he's even, a, he should be an SP3 for you. But especially if you're in a 15-teamer where pitching is always going to be at that premium, he's a guy that he might be out on the on the wire still. You might want to put in your bid and grab him because he's going to give you the innings. There might still be some home runs. The ERA might be inflated. I'll give you that. But he's going to eat some innings for you. And I think his stuff is hitting a point where he's going to be able to do well for you in the case uh, department. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm in, TGFBI, where some my league is still drafting, so we're about to oh, hit. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. it's 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 been a long <laughs> one. We're about to hit round twenty nine, and I need some pitching help. And so uh, he's still on the board. I've been considering him and kind of hoping he falls one more pick. I just took Matt Brash, I think, and Spencer Turnbull, mm-hmm. just some late round options. But I'm hoping Brew Baker falls. I've been seeing a lot of hype about him on Twitter. And I bought in for a certain period in one league last year for, and I got burnt. I picked him up and I think he gave up two or three home runs in that game and it just wasn't it. And so I'm trying to get that taste out of my mouth and try and give him another chance this year. Yeah, no. And, and, and I definitely uh, understand. I kind of did something similar where uh, my my team as many of the long, longer time listeners know, like my home league team has been a disaster. (laughs) We're, We're slowly starting to turn towards being, um, uh, you know, at least being decent, um, looking <laughs> on paper at least. But um, I was, you know, I was scrambling for for innings and just trying to grab whatever pitchers might be at all decent and and, and pick Brew Baker up. And I picked him up right as he was putting up some some decent outings. But still, yeah, the home run ball is, is there. He's a fly ball pitcher, so yeah. it's gonna it's gonna show up there. Um, so yeah, you, you know, the expectations I do want to temper somewhat. But like you like you were saying in the TGFBI. Um, if you're looking at it from a redress standpoint or even in a dynasty standpoint, because he's only, um, what, 26, 27. Yeah. Um, he's not that 
he's not that I don't even know if he's that old, but um, you know, he's a guy he's that he's 29, 29. Uh, 29? Okay, a little bit older. Um, but he's a guy that, like I said, he's gonna be able to eat uh some innings for you. Uh and now it looks like he might have kind of figured out that next whatever that next level is that could help him at least in in the strikeouts department even if like i say you're giving up some uh some value in the era uh category so uh just wanted to call those things out um so what we're going to do is um move into uh the hidden uh hidden gems that we have set up before we do that i actually wanted to ask you matt um, what criteria do you use when you're looking to find uh, like so-called hidden gems for pitchers and in a dynasty standpoint, especially like, is there certain trends that you're looking for pitch types? Are you looking at leaderboards and just kind of filtering guys out? Like what, what exactly is your process? I don't necessarily have one specific process. I feel like for finding these pitchers, some pitchers stick out because they have really good strikeout rates. And so I like to look at them when they have this stuff. At least I know that they have the potential to break out. And if somebody can help fix their command or fix their durability, if they become healthy for a full season, they have the stuff to perform and kind of break out and fly up prospect lists. Um, some things I look for in younger pitchers is control. So many of these young guys are throwing 97, 98. They're striking out 10, 11 batters per nine innings, and that's great. But We've seen that before, and then they turn into relievers. And not that relievers don't have value, but that's not what I feel like we're looking for when we're looking for deep stash targets for dynasty leagues. You want somebody that can break out, that can kind of set your team above and beyond. And so I think control is something that's very underrated. As these young kids come into the system, they work to add velocity. They work with the pitching coaches, add spin to add location, to get their stuff to play up a little bit better than maybe it should. But control is something that I think is a little bit harder to teach. Learning how to harness your stuff is something that's a little bit harder to teach. So I, when I'm looking at older pitching prospects that are deep stashes, I like to look at the stuff. When I'm looking at younger pitching prospects, I like to look for that control. Mm, that makes sense. And so for you, Matt, because I've seen this and I try to keep this in mind, um, but I, I know a lot of times for us in the in the fantasy community, especially in Dynasty, the, the two terms kind of get conflated um, where you see grades for like command control and it's kind of like command slash control kind of together. Um, but it sounds like what you're talking about are, are really making those two different um, distinctions, right? Where command, you're talking about literal, um, can they command uh, pitching? Are, are they able to put their pitch where they want repeatedly right, exactly, so yeah. even if it's outside of the strike zone they are putting it outside of the strike zone with with intent right with reason to work you know off of something else there's a plan in action and control is the literal like can this guy is this guy ricky vaughn in the beginning of major league or is this guy ricky vaughn at the end of major league like where's the pitch going so it sounds like that's kind of what you're trying to keep in mind as well is that is that pretty accurate? yeah i'd say that's definitely accurate there's no problem with throwing a pitch out of the strike zone as long as you have a purpose you don't want to throw a pitch in the strike zone with two strikes. Oh, oh, two, you got the batter on the ropes, throw your slider down and away and make him chase. Don't hang it over the middle of the plate. Being able to, so part of what goes into that too is limiting home run rates. I feel like that's a lot of times when you can tell when a pitcher is actually commanding and deciding when where to throw his pitch. He's not leaving it out over the center of the plate. 
that. So I look at home run rates and then I look at walk rates to really help emphasize those two points. Yeah. And, and, uh, the home run rate is, is pretty interesting. I know, um, recently, especially with some of the, um, Arizona, uh, diamondback guys, uh, Brandon fought being kind of the, the number one guy. Uh, we've had multiple conversations, um, both, uh, on mic on, on, on the farm, obviously, um, talking to Nick Richards, if you've heard any of our episodes with Nick, um, and also I've talked about this, uh, uh, online as well, just in, in different services and the like of thinking about home run rates and, and definitely being able to understand when it comes to um, park factors yeah. in, in the minor leagues, right? So we've talked uh, on Mike a lot about um, the PCL. We've talked about the Arizona, just kind of their upper minor farm system of like having to go from Amarillo to Reno and just like think about like cores on steroids yeah. and like having pitchers having to go through that like multiple times, like that's ridiculous. So I think that's another thing to, to keep in context, but I think overall exactly what you're um, mentioning is important. We just talked about, you know, GT Brubaker having a home run issue, um, even with fly ball pitchers, because you do have, uh, especially I, I would, I would say the guys that have kind of the higher end stuff, the, the, the big fastballs, et cetera, they're going to be more up in the zone. They might be liable to give up some more fly balls, but you do want to see, are they able to mitigate that with um, still being able to keep the ball in the ballpark? Yeah. I think Jose Burrios, I just wrote an article on him for pitcher list. Uh, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, one of them, but he was a good example because for PLV, all of his pitches grayed out as above average. But then you look on Baseball Savant and his four-seam fastball has a 17 run value. And so it's how Mm. can that pitch be graded as above average? It's because he makes too many mistakes. It was like one out of every, I forget what the exact percentage was, but he was throwing one horrible fastball just basically right down the middle every single game. And so pitchers were punishing that. So as good as the pitch actually was even a good amount of the time, even an above average amount of the time, I feel like he wasn't able to fully harness that pitch and put it where he wanted to with any consistency. And so hitters were able to kind of tee off on that. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, so I, I think you're calling out some some interesting, uh, like I said, some interesting criteria, some interesting um, data points to keep your eye on as, you know, you and the audience are, are kind of doing your own due diligence and, and trying to identify folks. I think um, just to kind of r- wrap up this piece before we get into the actual um, pictures that we have listed here um for me i'm also looking at uh some some pitch type and some some trend stuff as well so i'm always maybe not trends maybe is not the best way to describe it but i always think about team context and and i'll be honest i might over index i know a lot of people are like listen the talent is the talent and 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 dynasty especially like that's what you're looking at the time the talent will kind of play um you never know where a guy's going to end up if they end up in a trade then the team context kind of can change like very rapidly which is 100% accurate um but for whatever reason I still look at like but is this team good at developing this type of player or this type of pitcher or how did they you know what is their track record or and so um for me and it's it's ironic given the three guys that I have (laughs) um, chosen uh typically I try to look at that team context and I think about like what Seattle's doing right now with their pitchers we look at uh, their their staff of guys that they brought to the bigs and, and people that are still in their farm. Uh, we always talk up Tampa. We always talk up Cleveland. We tend to talk up Houston. Um, so from a pitching standpoint, like there are, you know, the Dodgers, there are some teams that we always identify up top. Um, but there are some, some, uh, some, some teams, I guess, in that second tier, if you will, 
uh, Atlanta is starting to, I'm curious this year with um, Bryce Elder, with um, Ian Anderson again. Ian Anderson, maybe, I don't know. He's he's still having a rough go of it. Um, But now they have Dylan Dodd, who's who's starting to jump up. So they have some names. Obviously, they, they, um, you know, hit gold with with Strider last year. Um, Kyle Wright, they finally kind of got him. Uh, going in, in the proper direction after some years sort of in, in the wilderness, so to speak. Um, so there's some other teams that I try to keep an eye on and think, okay, but how does this pitcher kind of fit into that team context? Or is this guy kind of an outlier where this team doesn't really have a track record of, um, you know, helping to ve- to develop uh, guys with good two-seamers, all the guys that they've developed, all four-seam guys. If, if this guy's a two-seam guy, like, is he an outlier? Will the talent just kind of play through that? Or could that be a hang-up? So just some other things to kind of, like I said, generally keep in mind. Yeah, I think that's totally underrated. I think the pitch mix, like you were mentioning, that's something I even mm-hmm. struggle with, struggling to dive into which pitchers teams develop with certain characteristics. Um, I think looking at our list that we're about to dive into, a lot of the guys we chose aren't on those Tampa teams, Cleveland, Seattle. And so maybe those guys are getting a little too much notoriety in the dynasty league. Maybe that's becoming a trend that people are like, I want all the Tampa pitchers and Seattle pitchers and Cleveland pitchers. And maybe that's creating some opportunity to get some guys that are on these other teams that maybe aren't getting as much attention. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, we're going to take a quick break and then we're coming uh, going to come back with uh, our names. With We have six pitchers total, uh, three on my end, three on Matt's end, that we're going to talk through uh, our hidden gems uh, as far as pitching prospects. So stay with us after the jump in one moment. Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. 
Okay, and we're back. So I'm going to hit lead off here. I'm going to go through my three uh, pictures that I've identified as uh, possibly hidden gems. I, I tried to be uh, honest and as objective. I didn't just look at my roster and say, well, all my guys obviously are gems because why else would I roster them? I have one person that I roster. So I tried to, you know, do my due diligence and not just look at my own roster here. But um, I do have a, a Chicago bent for some reason. <laughs> so I have two Cubs and one White Sox. Uh, white Sox, however we determine the white singular. Sox, is, right? yeah. I think White Sox. White Sox. White Sox. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, it just kind of it just kind of went that way. So my first picture that I have is Ben Brown. Um, and Ben Brown is 22 years old. He got drafted in 2017. Uh, out of high school by Philly, uh, and he was traded last year as part of the David Robertson trade. And Brown jumped up just to give the kind of quick stats, 104 innings pitched last year, 149 strikeouts, put up a 338 ERA, uh, 1.17 whip, and that's between um, high A uh, and uh, double A combined. So between both of those levels, that was his numbers. And, And just to go a little bit deeper, uh, 34.3% K rate, 8.3% walk rate. Uh, one other stat that I want to call out here, 72.6% uh, LOB. So his strain rate, uh, that's another sort of, um, I don't want to say it's an indicator, but it is a nice descriptor, I guess, a, a nice uh, sort of way to look at how does a guy work when he does have runners on base. If it's super high, if it's in that 85, 90%, that tends to be kind of like a high babbit for a hitter. You know it's unsustainable. You know that's going to come down. Uh, so you want to keep that in mind. But if it's super low, if it's in that like 50, 60%, that means that this person is probably going to have a pretty inflated, if not ERA, then expected ERA, um, because that means that a lot of those runners are going to be coming around to score. So having it in that 73 percentile or, or percentage um, is, is nice. It's kind of like around that league, at, league average. Um, and some history on Brown. He did have Tommy John in 2019, and that's part of why you see him being drafted in 2017. Uh, but just now in the double A uh, level at uh, 22 years old, he did have uh, uh, injury, obviously, in 2019. And of course, we know 2020 uh, got completely nixed as well. So um, developmentally, he was kind of starting from behind, but looks like he's very quickly catching up. And the reason why I have him on this list is he's added to he was added to the Cubs 40 man roster in the offseason. So they did protect him from the rule five draft. He, he was um, R5 eligible if they hadn't protected him. So to me, that indicates um, right there that they have some interest in, in what they have in Ben Brown. Also, when he was with Philly, he really was turning heads there, because if you remember, Philly has um, uh, obviously Andrew Painter and, and we know about the whole injuries scenario going on with him right now but you have painter um you have uh mick abel you you have a uh, two or three guys that were top of the charts there with um philly as far as pitching prospects but brown's numbers was slowly starting to put him kind of in that mix at least in my mind and it looked like from the org's mind to an extent um but when it came to uh obviously making a trade for uh some some bullpen relief which uh obviously helped him out as they made it to the world series uh, he kind of became expendable. And I think from the Chicago side, we know the Cubs have struggled with pitching development, as I was talking about team context before. Um, but it looks like what they are doing now, and this goes to the second person that's going to be on my list, is they're kind of cherry picking 
from other teams. And they're kind of like, if we can't draft and figure it out ourselves, we'll just get guys from like high A and double A from other teams and bring them in as part of uh, our deals and then just kind of let them go from there. Um, so Brown has fastball, curveball, slider mix. I actually highlighted Brown in one of my uh, player of the week and pitcher of the week um, articles last season. Uh, and we'll link that in the uh, in the show notes as well, just so you guys can see the write-up at that point in time and uh, see, I think there is a gif included in the article as well um he's just he's a big guy 6'6 uh 200 plus and uh he looks like he just knows how to pitch and i'm just interested i think he could get some time in the in the majors sometime this season i think uh probably they'll start him out in the bullpen i could see that being the case versus him starting but i think eventually he he has the look he has the potential to be a, a very good starter in the majors that's my sort of uh, snapshot on ben brown but matt what do you have to add? so i actually got to see one of ben brown starts last year in high a lakewood before um he got traded and he looks like you're saying he looks like a starting pitcher he has a dominant mound presence i mean he's looked good at every level he's been at besides like you'll look on his fan graph page and you'll see some high eras here but a lot of that's in like small inning sample sizes. You won't really find any flaws when he's had actual time to develop. And like you were mentioning with the Phillies, they quietly have been developing some pitching prospects lately. Their organization is headed in the right direction. And so with Painter, with Abel, with um, McGarry now, I think at the trade deadline, Dombrowski said, no Bell, no Painter. And then the Cubs hand-selected that they wanted Ben Brown over Griff McGarry. And I don't think that was the wrong call. Ben Brown has better control. He has just almost as good of strikeout stuff as McGarry. His fastball is a tick under, but he's got a great fastball-curveball combination. I really like Ben Brown, and I, I, was up, I was glad that they made the move. The Phillies made a move for a closer. But I was upset to see Ben Brown go because – Injuries were really holding him back, and now, I mean, he threw over 100 innings last year. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to probably, the Cubs will probably keep him in the 120 to 150 range, probably would be my guess, but look ahead to 2024, and I mean, there's not, the Cubs have some interesting pitchers, but Kyle Hendricks is toward the end. Drew Smiley is not really intimidating anybody, so there's some room in that rotation for some young guys to start coming up and making an impact. And I think Ben Brown could be doing I really like this Ben Brown call by you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I uh I agree that um looking at that that innings pitch piece, I think that that's important, right? We talked about some indicators and, and criteria and things, and that one hundred innings pitch, different teams now, uh that used to kind of just be sort of like an industry standard and, and as you know, uh pitch mechanics and, and sort of uh, understanding the body. Uh, from a from a um, uh, physiological perspective has, you know, advanced in baseball, that has changed. Like, you don't have to hit 100 innings to move to the next level, et cetera, et cetera. But that's always a nice, um, again, just sort of checkmark to see that a guy has been able to log um, that many innings, especially in a in, um, uh, season where he's coming, uh, you know, a couple years removed from, uh, major surgery uh, with Tommy John and just being able to see that collectively he's been able to put up um, good numbers. The thing that jumped out to me looking at the, um, the the rates and ratios is that that K rate was able to maintain a very high 
percentage uh, along with a very low walk rate as he moved to double a and the double a games were um all with the cubs um system so the the way it worked out was he got promoted by philly to double a but then got traded to the cubs before he ever actually pitched in double a for philadelphia the cubs obviously kept him double a for them um and so he he was able to maintain that so that to me shows like it's not just a, a slightly older guy you know taking on maybe some younger and inexperienced hitters at the high a level um that there's some real stuff there and like i said uh, I could see him potentially getting some time towards the end of this year, depending on what happens with the Cubs. Obviously, we know they're they're not looking to be any type of competitive, but um, you know, I don't know if they're still kind of fire selling parts or if they're going to start to kind of lean into giving young guys some more burn. Or I'm not really sure what the what the plan is for 2023 is in Chicago. But um, what I do know is between this year and next year, like you were saying, 2024. I expect to see Ben Brown logging some some major league innings for Chicago. Yeah. I mean, one other thing real quick on Ben Brown is the four ERA when he moved to double A. Some people might be like, oh, his ERA regressed when the hitting competition got harder. But his fifth didn't really move. He gave up a 395 Babbitt while he was with Chicago. That's not going to stay up at 395. The FIP in those 31 innings at double A was 3.36. The ex-FIP was 3.28. Like, those are good numbers. He maintained, like you were saying, his success even after the promotion, which I feel like really points to how much development he had last year and how exper- how polished he is considering how few professional innings he's actually thrown. Yeah. Um, so moving uh, on to our next picture, staying in the Cubs farm system, this is Caleb Killian. Uh, Caleb is 25. He got drafted in 2019 from Texas Tech by the Giants, uh, came over to Chicago in 2021 as part of the Chris Bryant trade. Uh, him and uh, Alexander Canario were the two major pieces coming to um, Chicago. And in 2022, uh, while he was in the minors, uh, he was in AAA, logged 106, point, uh, 106 and two-thirds uh, innings, 125 strikeouts, did put up a slightly high ERA, 422, and did have a nastily high whip in uh, 1.56. And then he did make his major league debut. Major league league debut was not stellar. Um, 11 and one third uh, innings pitch, nine Ks, 10.32 ERA. He got blown up in, in a couple of games, I remember. And then 2.03 whip. And so, you know, why do I have this guy on this list at all? I got interested in in, in killing while he was still on the Giants. He really dominated the lower levels, which is not super surprising considering that he's coming from, um, you know, a power five conference, uh, conference as a college pitcher. So that some of that is to be expected. He really, really popped out to me. Um, he pitched in the Arizona uh, Fall League Championship game and won MVP uh, of the championship, leading his team to victory, six perfect innings, eight Ks through 68 pitches, 48 of them for strikes. I watched this game. He, When you look at the competition of guys that he was striking out, it, these weren't just like nobodies that we're talking about. He was dominating the competition, and it really kind of um, impressed because he did not have the best AFL season up until that point. Again, he had let up um, a, a good number of runs in a couple of previous outings. So he's just on my mind. Uh, to begin with, and then he gets traded, like we were saying, the Cubs kind of cherry picking guys from other systems um, that may be kind of further ahead of their own homegrown folks. 
uh, and we look at his pitch mix. He, he's got fastball. He's got a cutter and a curve. I, I really like the curveball. Um, has good depth. Has good vertical movement. He used that really well in that um, championship game that I was talking about. And the reason why I picked both Brown and Killian is because they both have the feeling. And, and, and this is one of those, you know, I don't have the data point. I'm just going off of me looking yeah. at guys and, and looking at what I'm seeing. But they kind of have the feeling of guys that need to get sort of lumped up in, in the major league. Like they need to to give up, yeah. you know, two or three home runs in the outing and have some nasty looking box scores. But they're learning to pitch on the job training and they're going to get better through it. Um, Killing has that look. And I think this year is going to be that much better for him. Uh, like I said, Ben Brown, as he's continued to log in more in, it's just as a pro, I think that's going to help him as well. Um, both to me, and, and I'll stick with just talking about killing here, has a SP3 type of ceiling just because of his pitch mix and the way he, when he's on, he really has a good game plan and executes well. We talked about that command control. He has really good command when he's on. Um, I think that Brown's command is actually even uh, ahead of Killian's. So I'm just eager to see in another year for um, Caleb because I think he's going to be shuttled up um, back and forth between the, the minors and the majors early on. He, he may even break camp um, with the Cubs just to start. I just want to see him again. He, he'll probably get lumped up. He'll give up some ugly innings, but I just want to see the development as he learns like, Oh, can't pitch this guy here. Oh, can't, can't put that ball that. Okay. Now I have, and, and be able to work his way through major league hitters, um, being able to analyze and understand what it takes to, to pitch. I think about, um, the episode we had last year with Nate Handy and Nate said something that has stuck with me ever since about, uh, pitching prospects, which is these guys have not figured out their like million dollar pitch yet. They haven't figured out the thing that's actually going to make them a major league pitcher as of yet. And when they do, that's when you see the light bulb go off. Um, and there's plenty of guys that we're seeing now. I think about Brady Singer as a guy that, you know, we were kind of ready to give him up for dead. Of Like, <laughs> this guy's never going to get it. Yeah, He's never going to get yeah. together. He was supposed to be really good. He's just giving home runs up. He, he, he has no – he's only got maybe two pitches. He, and from last season and and, you know, spring training so far now it looks like oh at 26 27 years old now it's starting to click so um killian i could see very similar um outcome it may take a couple you know uh, uh seasons but i think overall there's something to be had here yeah I'm, people give up on pitchers too too fast i it pitching in the major leagues is hard to do um i, I definitely couldn't do it so yeah i mean you go through these struggles and then he posts a 10 ERA in his 11 innings, but he has a good foundation. Like he's got three different fastballs that he uses. Not many pitchers have even two. Some have two. No, no pitchers usually have three. He's got three fastballs that he can use. The only thing missing is that secondary stuff. He needs a, that is the only thing I think that's holding him back because big league hitters hit fastballs. So I'm very interested to see how the Cubs develop him and what pitch, whether it's a slider, whether they help him try and make that a sweeper, maybe it becomes a curve. I think that's really interesting. And I have not been paying enough attention to him this spring. I'll admit that because maybe I should. Maybe that development is key and he could break out just as fast as anybody else could. So 
I like the pick again right here. I, he just needs one pitch, that money pitch, like you said, and then he could really take off. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, thinking about secondaries, I like I like the curve that he had displayed in the um, in that championship game, and just thinking about that uh, movement. But again, to your point, um, there's some um, some correction, there's some refinement. That's the word I'm looking for. There's some refinement that needs to take place there. And um in his pitch mix. But again, I just I, I could be crazy, but I just think that there's something there um to you know to to be yeah to be aware of. And especially when you think about deep leagues, right? So, you know, if you're in the, the more shallow leagues, even if you're in a redraft league, no, I don't see you really needing to waste a, a spend a roster spot on him right now. But again, deeper leagues uh where you're talking about, you know, pitching is always at a premium anywhere you can get decent innings. You want to grab those guys. They don't always have to be aces. Um, I, I think, you know, come come the mid middle point of this season, we could be talking about, oh, there's there's something here. The, another guy that I think about is um and and I stupidly, stupidly gave this guy up for dead, and that's Kyle Bradish. And I was yeah. I was I was I was the conductor of the Kyle Bradish train going into this time last year, I was like, oh, look at what he did against the Red Sox in spring training. He did it to him twice. This guy's going to be something. I'm an Orioles fan. I'm like, yes. Okay, cool. And then he gets smoked. And I was like, okay, well, I kind of expected that. That's all right. And then he just continues to get smoked like <laughs> almost repeatedly. Yeah. I think he had like two or three outings where it was just like bad. And I was just like, I, I got to let this guy go. Let me grab a different pitcher to your point about giving, giving up on yeah. guys early. And then literally what happens that weekend was uh, his outing against the Astros oh, and he where dominated. he just looked like, <laughs> yeah, he just dominated, right? It was like eight or nine strikeouts. Yeah. They couldn't hit him. And I was like, Oh, let me too late. Already. Yeah, he's up, gone. And I'm never going to get him back. <laughs> he was gone, long gone. And I, I felt really stupid. So, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> killing is, that's another guy that killing kind of reminds me of just from a, he needs to get that experience and then learn, Oh, okay. This is how I do this. Um, so yeah, I, I'm trying to grab, uh, you were talking about his spring training. Now I'm curious now, uh, he's only logged four innings, um, faced 13 batters, two strikeouts, uh, two hits, including a home run, no walks. So it doesn't look like he's logged a bunch of innings in spring training games. I'm sure he's probably logging some in the, uh, yeah. in the backfields. Right. Um, and again, I could definitely see him starting the year off, uh, in triple A. Uh, maybe for you know the first couple of weeks of April before they start bringing him back up to start in Chicago. Yeah, I think that's probably likely. Also, I'm trying to pull up. I'm trying to see how much he's using his knuckle curve. Um, we don't have a lot of pitches tracked. He's turned his knuckle curve five times. So five out of fourteen, nineteen, twenty-seven. Five out of twenty-nine. So that's still. I want to see him use that knuckle curve more. I want that yeah. curveball usage to go up, which I'm not seeing yeah. yet, but it's such a small sample size. Yeah. Uh, so just to finish up our, our my Chicago uh, <laughs> field here, uh, we have Norhe Vera of the Chicago White Sox. Vera was um, an international signee out of Cuba in 2021. He's 22 years old. Um, his 2022 uh, a little bit limited as far as innings pitch, 35 and a third innings, did rack up 52 strikeouts, 331 ERA, uh, 1.41 whip, and that was between three levels. So he actually played both levels of A ball. 
um, as well as finishing the year at Double A Birmingham. Uh, most of that year was at Low A, um, but I think uh, the White Sox, given his experience pitching in Cuba as a, as a team, he pitched in their uh, Cuban league. He also pitched in the DSL in 2021. So I think the White Sox kind of felt good about moving him up because they they pushed him quickly through high A. I think he spent maybe two two starts there before he ended up finishing the season um, at Double A. Um, Double A did have some rough outings. I was looking at the game logs. Uh, I was looking at the game logs, and, and they were not pretty. Uh, a lot of four, I, I think the last three game logs, uh, it was three walks, four walks, five walks. Yeah, <laughs> it was <just> like not <laughs> ideal. Um, he did have a, a lat strain that started his 2022. So this time last year, he was dealing with injury, and that kind of um set him back. I think from the the rest of their um pitchers and, and kind of what they were working through internally as an org for their farm system and that probably played a part in their limiting his innings overall he did have some shoulder soreness in 2021 so um yeah some injury concerns some command concerns out that's definitely there um his velo has definitely varied we've gotten report i've seen some reports of it being in the upper 90s in 2021. Last season, it finishing in the low 90s as he got through 2022. So I don't know, again, if that's fatigue based off the soreness, the injury, not being fully ramped up, who knows. Um, but he also has a slider and change up as well. I think for me, why I'm interested in Vera is just because um, there's a sense of just not knowing. Like, I, he's a guy that I could say if I have, if I'm in a, um, you know, 16 team or, or, or bigger and I have what 20 minor league spots he's a guy that I might be interested in churning that 20th spot through right yeah. and just be like ah oh, maybe I'll, I'll hold him and just you know and, and see what happens um because I think the the ceiling that you see in, in all those kind of reports is this guy could have some major league stuff but the floor we know is like he could never pitch in the majors ever like that's that's a distinct possibility with his profile um so again, I'm not like beating down doors or, or trying to get him at, on as many dynasty teams as I can, but on the deeper ones uh, where I can, you know, spend the roster spot at the, at the bottom. Sure. I think Vera is a guy that I have some interest in and we know again, team context, the White Sox can do some things when it comes to, you know, pitching prospects. And we know we talked about this on um, one of our previous episodes. I, I think one of the first ones of the year, Jake and I, we know that, um, the White Sox have a deep pipeline when it comes to Cuba and Cuban players. So uh, they could kind of have uh, uh, the ability to kind of um, uh, make some inroads there and and have some developmental successes with their um, because of just their uh, general knowledge of the, the country, the players that come from the country, et cetera. Having some familiarity could help. So, you know, Vera is, is a guy that I want to just add and just kind of give a shout out just because I'm interested to watch. I, I don't have him on any leagues um, or any teams in any leagues, but he's a guy that I have circled just to see, like, what are the early, what's the early look on him? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't have him. I don't have any shares of him either, but he's, it, the organization has to like him. You would figure if took him straight from the DSL last year and he made it all the way to double A this year. So there's something in his profile, even if the numbers don't jump off the page, well, the strikeout numbers look pretty good. But if the ERA doesn't jump off the page, the organization clearly likes him. And one bad year while you're moving, not even a bad year, just a couple rough stints, 
in high A and double A doesn't necessarily shouldn't take away from the success he had last year in the DSO when he threw 19 scoreless innings. I mean, you don't just go out and pitch 19 scoreless innings if you don't have talent. So I kind of like this deep league, deep dynasty league target name because I'm sure he's pretty cheap, I would guess. I don't really see any buzz about Vera anywhere. So why not go target him? The organization likes him. He's got stuff. He's got strikeout stuff at the very least. Maybe he just turns into a high leverage reliever. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's a possibility. And if you if you're getting that out of like I said, your twenty right. minor league spot, I think you call that a win. Yeah. Um, overall, the other thing that I like about um, Vera, the reason why I included him is I've been keeping an eye on this uh, project Birmingham. Yeah, uh, they do that. that the they Red like Sox doing had. that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's just something interesting. I I, I talked to I, I think I've talked if not on mic, I've definitely talked online about um, looking at Oscar Colas. Um, he really is the one that that use that as a jumping off point and, and now you see he's in the mix uh, to, to break camp as a starting uh outfielder for um chicago in, in some way shape or form uh but colson montgomery is there uh jose rodriguez was was there and vera was there obviously as well amongst the pitching prospects so getting all these guys together the, the white Sox are clearly have an intent and have a plan on how to get their minor league guys both on the pitching and the hitting side together and evaluate kind of together um and, and giving them a sense of it being okay to fail because i think that was the other thing that i saw in the reports about um how they did their double a was bring these guys together and not really it being worried about hey um you know what are the game results yeah. or whatever because it was towards the end of the season um Birmingham wasn't really in the mix when it came to playoffs or anything of that nature. So not not to not be competitive, but you know Test you want to give out, young guys yeah. the sense of yeah, try some things out. Let's work on some things, uh, but you know with some live ammo. And if it goes well, great. If it doesn't, okay, how we're going to learn from it. So again, just these are the sort of like non quantifiable things yeah. that I like to just keep in mind. They don't necessarily mean one thing or the other, but when things click, I mean, it's just like swing changes, right? It's like when things click and guys get comfortable, you'll, you see it, it shows up very prominently. So going into this year, uh, I'm curious to see, do they start there and do they keep them in double a, if so, how long do they keep them there? Uh, or do they bump them up to triple a and just, again, what do these results look like? What does that velo look like? Can he sustain the high end velo, um, over a longer period of time this season? So that's, 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 what I'm talking about. Um, so we have uh, Ben Brown from the Cubs. We have Caleb Killian from the Cubs and we have Norhey Fair from the White Sox. We're going to take another quick break. When we return, we're going to discuss three more hidden pitching gems with our guest, Matt Heckman. Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes, but the problem is managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight today and in the future. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. 
Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Okay, and we're back. So, Matt, I've been talking a lot. <laughs> I'm going to turn things over to you. You already kind of talked us through your process. So, who do you have for your hidden gems? So, I'll start out with probably the most known name of my three, Clayton Beater from the Yankees. He was a part of the Joey Gallo trade that happened last offseason when the Yankees were desperate to dump Gallo to just about anybody in the Dodgers figured why not try and fix him. And they sent Clayton Beater to the Yankees and he went to pitch for their double A team in Somerset, which was right by where I was living at the time. So I got to see Beater, I think, two different times in his brief stint. And his numbers looked really, really good. He posted a 14.57 strikeout per nine while there. His walk rate, which has been his biggest Achilles heel throughout his professional career. I mean, since he got drafted, he came, he spent most of his college days actually pitching out of the bullpen before kind of breaking out for Texas Tech and then really starting one year. And then he transitioned to Major League Baseball. And in his first year, he started 22 games, but he only threw 37 innings. And a lot of that has to do with his control, his ability to throw strikes consistently. Last year, he had high walk rates while he was with the Dodgers. And not that the walk rate necessarily came crashing down when he was with the Yankees. But all of a sudden, that those walks per nine were under four. That's the first time in his career, uh, besides the 37 innings, I guess, in 2021. But... That was really the first time it looked like he actually knew what he was doing. And so it's what interests me about Beater is you know the high strikeout stuff. You know he's got a great slider. He's got a good fastball that's got a lot of action and a very good curveball. And so he's got three plus pitches to work with. It's just putting it all together. And now a change of scenery. Not that the Dodgers are bad at developing prospects. I mean, it feels like they turn out talent more than any other right, team quite the opposite, yeah right right. <laughs> right but it's some things what clicks for one person or a whole group of people might not click for everybody else and sometimes you need that fresh voice to come in and say hey i think you should do this instead of this and i don't have i don't have the data to say he switches pitch mix and he was throwing this more he was doing this better and his rotation looked pretty much the same but he Look, he looked comfortable. He was throwing more strikes. And I mean, he posted a 2.13 ERA in those 25 innings at Somerset. And so everybody's kind of written Beater off as this future reliever, as this maybe he works his way into a high leverage role. Not really sure what it is. We know the stuff is good. We don't know if there will ever be much potential. So that makes his dynasty value kind of cheap when mm-hmm. he's. He's twenty. He's going to be 24 for the entire season. He's already in double A. The Yankees were using him as a starter last year. So I do think they still intend to build up his innings. There hasn't been any talk of moving him into the bullpen. I yeah. think they want to see what they have in him. I mean, guy posted 2.13 or a 1.99 FIP for your double A team, and you want to see what he has. So the relief risk there is kind of pushing his price down in Dynasty Leagues which can make him a really, really good value if he suddenly puts it all together this year. 
Yeah, I think uh, Beater somebody that I had interested uh, interest in uh, in his uh, draft season as far as FYPD, and I, I didn't get a didn't get a chance to draft him, but I was trying to keep tabs on him uh, with the Dodgers and seeing the move to the Yankees. I was I was thinking, okay, well, you know, want to continue to watch and the reliever risk. I actually um, hadn't been aware until he got moved to the Yankees, and then seeing more like, oh, okay doing my doing better due diligence like okay i see kind of what the track record was um but he's still the type of guy to your point about the value or the price being lower um he's the type of guy that i would love to put in as a throw-in for a trade yeah right if i'm trading you know some some bigger pieces to say hey let me grab beater off you as well yeah. like let me why don't you add that in as well um for like you know this third round pick or something like that just to kind of even things out um just just for again the sake of yeah he may never have the consistent command that we want so he might end up as like a low leverage reliever type that you know doesn't really do much but but the upside the upside the upside the upside is there and even if he's even if he just gets a little bit more command he still has upside as a high leverage reliever on a yankee see and the yankees tend to win a lot of games or at least right right so so he's going to get some value there. And then if he if you tweak that, you know, if you turn that dial just a little bit more, then you get, oh, well, he's a guy that can be in the middle of rotation because he has, yeah. you, you know, you, you're remarking here about his slider. He has a slider here. Um, if he can get that fastball command underway. Now, we, now we're kind of cooking with gas. So, um, yeah, Beater is still of, of interest to me. Um, even with the walks, even with the reliever where, uh, risk, I'm still just interested to see um, what this 2023 does with with him in, in the Yankees yeah I mean like I said older pitchers I'm looking more at the stuff I want to he's going to be 24 he's not 17 18 19 I want what stuff does he have to carry him to the potential so I mean let's see where it goes so then moving on to my second pitcher this guy I guarantee you not, there's not a lot out on him and there is not a lot of data on him or even scouting reports, but Emmanuel Reyes from the Kansas City Royals. If yeah. you're unfamiliar with Emmanuel Reyes, a lot of people. I'm raising my hand. Yeah. I'm virtually <laughs> raising my hand right there. This this is the guy that when you put him on the outline, I was like, I, I literally was like the Snoop Dogg, like, who? Like, what, what? who is this guy? What are we talking about? I don't have any idea how I stumbled upon him, but he was the Royals Dominican DSL Pitcher of the Year last year. He threw 48, or a little over 49 innings, um, 0.91 ERA. I mean, that's incredible. It's a DSL, but it's incredible. And he's only 18 years old. He's going to be 18 for part of this season. So that means he was 17 during a portion of time last season. There's not, I've searched, and I mean, the raw numbers look good. I've seen a couple Royals reports out there that I've read that have said the Royals really like him, but there's not a lot out on his pitch mix yet. So a lot of this is unknown. This is deep, but when you're playing in these deep dynasty leagues, you want to be the first guy in on somebody. And so what I said earlier about looking for young pitchers who have control command, Reyes was, I mean, he didn't walk hardly anybody last year. Point what was it on the whole season? He walked 0.73 batters per nine innings, a 2.2 walk percentage. He still struck out over nine batters per nine, almost nine and a half. 
he was very, very solid throughout the whole DSL. He only gave up one home run, which speaks to his ability to kind of not just throw pitches down the center of the plate, but to locate them. And the Royals, they don't have a strong track record of developing a lot of pitchers, but they just developed Brady Singer. They've had some changes in the pitching or in the coaches, coaching staff. So I'm willing to take a shot on a guy that nobody knows. He's probably basically free everywhere. And he dominated in the Mm -hmm. DSL last year. So I think he'll probably start this year. Maybe he starts at a low A and then we'll get some more data on his pitch mix, learn a little bit more about who he really is. But he posted a 41.9% swinging strike rate last year. So yeah, that's that's the number that, that jumped out yeah. to me. Like that in the walk rate, I'm like, okay, so this is a guy that has something yeah. that that can get guys to swing and miss. Yeah, it's and there. he has at least enough, uh, like you said, command and at least enough control specifically that he's not walking half the, the ballpark. So, yeah, for me, never heard of this guy before he introduced <laughs> him to me, uh, Matt. Um, and he's somebody that I'm I'm circling to see, like you said, if they start him at uh, low A, which I imagine just based on this track record, I imagine that they would. Um, he makes his uh, stateside debut. I want to see, like you said, I want to see the data. I want to see if I can catch some games. I, uh, off the top of my head, I want to say uh, low is Columbia for Kansas City. So I believe that they have uh, – minor league broadcast so yeah if i had you know i always tell you guys um try to watch as many games as you can if you can afford it swing for uh milb tv or you know if you have local broadcast whatever so yeah if i can catch some uh columbia firefly games and and see this guy pitch i want to see him in person and see what this. there's something there i like i said there's not a lot out there on what pitches he throws what velocity he throws there is not really much of any information out there but you don't post a 41.9 percent swinging strike rate without something so and and again the other thing to keep in mind is he doesn't here's here's the thing guys this guy doesn't have to be a major league ready pitcher all you're looking for with somebody of this type of profile is somebody with a nut that's going to get enough helium to build value So even if you're like, I don't believe in it, I can still deal. And the person that I, that, uh, I think of is Roybert Salinas last year. Roybert Salinas, all of April, everybody was like, this guy is awesome. He's putting up like a 14 point something K through nine. He's striking out everybody. It was all at low A. He gets bumped to, to high A and the bottom completely fell out. But if you had him during low A and you got somebody on the hook to deal him, you probably got something decent back. Yeah. And that's all it takes for for a player like this. If you do believe in them, great. But if you don't, all you need is just enough helium and just a, a one or two managers in your league to to be wild bomb, and then you can flip it and get something even better back coming to you. So, Emmanuel Reyes, a name that we're going to highlight. We're going to come back to this, Matt, and we're going to see <laughs> we're going to see how this works out. Give me. I want him to start at low A. I want him to dominate for two to three starts, and like you said, maybe. Uh, new pitching or new coaching staff in Kansas City, but still don't really trust Kansas City. Give me two, mm-hmm. three, four great starts to start the year, and then I'll go trade him for a prospect that's way higher ranked or yep. that struggled. Give me, give me, struggled in his yeah, first couple me, starts. Give me a high, give me a high twenty twenty four 
FYPD draft pick. So I can go and, and, yep. and go deep into that draft, right? Like yeah. <laughs> something of that nature. But it still works yeah. out. It still works in my favor. Yeah. Unless unless he looks that dumb. Maybe if he's a little too dumb, maybe then I don't want to <laughs> trade him. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right. So then going on to my third player, kind of in between Beater and Emmanuel Reyes, Carter Ballmer from Baltimore. Uh, he was a fifth round pick in 2020 and he looked, he looked good coming out of high school. There was a lot of high praise about Ballmer and mm-hmm. then injuries really just have really, really impacted him in a negative way. He had Tommy John surgery in 2021 and then he came back last year and he threw 11 innings, great strikeout rate, 1.54 ERA in that and then shoulder inflammation and he missed the rest of the season and so at this point he's thrown he's been drafted in 2020 he's thrown 11.2 innings there's a lot of unknowns with what Balma really is but the Orioles are an organization that's really started to develop players and they've been doing it for the last few years and they've been getting the most out of pitching prospects and hitting prospects and these guys are flying up rankings and so you mentioned trusting certain organizations. This pick comes from a growing trust, I think, in Baltimore's player development. And to have a guy with Baumler's raw talent, his price has never been lower in these dynasty leagues because he's only thrown 11 innings. There's not a lot out there. He's not going to cost you a lot to acquire. But the stuff is there, and the organization is doing such a strong job at developing these players that I want Carter Baumler. He looks... As far as I'm able to tell, he's healthy heading into 2023. You being an Orioles fan, you probably have a little bit more information on that. But he looked, I think he's healthy heading into this year. I think we're going to get a chance to really see who he is. And he's only 21. He just turned 21 in January. And so he's not a 19-year-old, but he has plenty of time to continue developing he starts this year in low A, maybe he makes it to high A. And then for his age 22 year, you could see him in double A and triple A. And he could be in the majors by the time he's 23. So even though he was drafted back in 2020, he still has plenty of time to develop and turn into a kind of special prospect. Yeah, I think um, a couple of things. I, I know Bomber was somebody that a lot of Orioles uh, Orioles fans that, you know, that, that crossover with Dynasty were, were – really interested in I think you know previous to um or in the run-up to us us waiting for uh Grayson and us waiting for Dia Hall and and kind of making that bridge between those guys that are like the the team saviors right and what we had originally (laughs) um in you know 2018 2019 and I think it was like oh you know Bradish um uh, we were still looking to see what we had with Keegan Aiken and Dean Creamer and, you know, maybe, and, and Bomber was kind of in that mix of like, maybe this is a guy that at least can kind of patchwork us into, um, into this sort of next phase. Uh, never thought I would live to, to hear a day when the Orioles were getting praised for player. <laughs> but they have been, they have been. <laughs> I, I mean, that's true. But this is, and, and this is the other thing I'll say about Bomber is we highlighted this um, before and, and I know Fangraphs pointed this out when they were doing their um, prospect list for the Orioles it is still a team that is very position player heavy yeah. when you look at their farm and when you look at the the, the pitchers that they actually have that are kind of set and ready to jump up even if it's just 
not even into the major leagues, but just ready for that next level and like really causing that buzz. There's not a ton. Um, now some of this is, you know, Bombers definitely a guy that's affected by 2020 being a 2020 draft pick and then not having a developmental year. And then boom, you start talking about injuries. Um, I start, I think overall we're starting to see kind of the last sort of dregs of that. I think this upcoming, this sort of season and then next season, those guys will kind of have been worked through their systems accordingly, um, whether they got traded, R5, like whatever the case may be. Um, but I think with, with Baumler, I'm, I, yeah, I'm just kind of interested to see if he stays healthy. Like, what is that? What does a full season from him look like? Um, I think that's the question mark is if, if he can stay healthy, what does the full season look like? Can he move up multiple letter, levels? I keep going back to Kyle Bradish, and, and I'm sorry for sounding repetitive, but that was another aspect of why I jumped on him early was he moved through three levels uh, in 2021, like super quickly, yeah. super quickly. And even though he, even though some of those numbers started to regress as he started to see uh, higher competition, the Orioles clearly were still interested enough in his stuff to say like we're still going to give you those opportunities and those chances, and then we see it borne out when he makes his major league debut. So you know, the Orioles still have some holes in that rotation. Like I know we talk about Grayson, we talk about Dio Hall, but like. Kirk Gibson or Kirk Gibson, Jesus, <laughs> um, Kyle Gibson, Kirk Gibson isn't going to get it done either, but <laughs> Kyle Gibson isn't, isn't nah. going to get it done. Um, you know, uh, Aiken is pretty much seen like a bullpen piece. I think what they've done with Kramer is, is pretty interesting. Cause he looked like, you know, he was the last piece of the um, Machado trade and it looked like that trade was going to be a complete yeah. loss. Um, and now they finally gotten at least something out of that trade with Kramer looking, you know, at least league average, if not slightly better. Um, but again, you know, who else is really when we look at some of these other teams that are talking about, we, we might have to go to a six man rotation to work in arms. The Orioles are not right. in that space. And so there is a possibility between um, maybe not this year, but in, like you said, 2024, 2025, Bomber could be, you know, one of those pieces somewhere in. Uh, the back end of, of the Orioles rotation. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we see him too soon, just because of the innings. I think. I mean, eleven yeah, innings yeah. last year. I doubt they'll push him. I don't think he'll even hit a hundred this upcoming year yeah. if he's fully healthy. Right. So they're it's going to take some time to build up. But he's got a he's got an interesting four pitch mix with his fastball. He's got slider, curveball, changeup. He's, he's got some interesting stuff there to say, okay, well, if this guy was getting praised before, he looked good in his brief debut last year, well, I'll take a shot on him now while his price is low before he's fully healthy. And if, if he's great, then that's awesome, and I just spent nothing to acquire somebody. And if not, I don't think the floor is necessarily nothing. It's just a matter of if he can't stay healthy, that's easy to decipher. I think if yeah. he has another lost season for injury this year, it's okay. I'll move on from Bowler because he can't consistently stay on the mound. He can't consistently right. throw. It's not like I'm going to keep buying into this talent or, oh, if he can just throw more strikes or, oh, if he can just stop giving up the long ball. If he can't stay healthy, he can't stay healthy. And that's, yeah. at, Health least, is a skill. Yeah, and that's at least easy to move on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh as an Orioles fan, it will be it will be interesting to watch. They have they have a couple of interesting arms. Uh, Justin Armbrewster, which is an interesting name to have as a pitcher. <laughs> um 
but he's another guy that uh, has been pitching quite well for them at the high A and double A level. And I'm curious to see what happens with him this year. So there's some, there's some guys there. It's just, um, they don't have the name yeah. recognition. I like Cade Povich. I don't think, Cade Povich. I like but, yeah. Povich, that's I another like guy. And I think that that was such a good yeah. trade. Um, him and McDermott. I know McDermott's had some, some injury issues, but um, that was such a good trade yeah. for them to, uh, to get Povich. Um, I, that was like a surprising yeah that was, really I was like oh they dealt a pitcher as he was getting worse in jorge lopez yeah. to a team and got a better a, a like on the on the rise prospect back like that's how rebuilding teams yeah, that, should be that was acting. perfect that was they a perfect trade yeah 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 so um so yeah i guess we could have added a couple more names <laughs> to, to this mix but but that'll do it for this episode um before we go uh matt i, I know you just had the top 10 starting pitching prospects article hit uh last week right yeah yeah that was awesome yeah. yeah and and i want to let everybody know because i saw this out there i'm going to say this on behalf timing okay timing is a thing <laughs> okay timing is a thing we write these yeah. articles we get them loaded up in the queue we get them ready to rock certain things happen sometimes your your number one number two guy gets injured yeah. okay andrew painter uh, uh, kills me as a Philly fan. I saw that. I was trying to take some bullets into the hat there. They were like, oh, how does he have Painter? It was Ohio guy. I said, well, oh, you know. I wrote it before. But even then, yeah. I, I was defending Painter even after that. I I said I would have moved him down to two behind Grayson. I had Painter, or we consensusly, we put Painter at one and Grayson came in at two. I said the only personal switch I would have made is flip flopping the two of them. Painter's out. I'll be brief here. Painter's out four weeks. He's not out four months. He's going to pitch this year. Not many of these pitching prospects, Grayson will, he's going to contribute right off the bat. Not many of these pitching prospects are going to contribute right away this season anyway. The bet earliest we'll see Ricky Tiedemann is probably August is my guess. Toronto's got pitchers. They don't really need Ricky to be up this year. We're not going to see Yuri Perez this year unless something drastically happens in Miami. They have plenty of pitchers. Or Perez is dominating, they force their way in. We're not going to see these guys. So even if you don't get a lot out of Painter this year, that doesn't mean much of anything in terms of the rankings. That was my little spiel. Okay, I'm finished. That. No, that's good. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you on Yuri Perez only because I grabbed him late in um, TGFBI. You think he's so coming up this year? Okay, I, I need him to come up. So I did race that spot. No, I I think um I mean obviously Marlins are are pitching rich. I think uh you know if you if you um, think that Edward Cabrera is going to be healthy throughout the whole year, then yeah, I think that changes the calculus. Um, but I, I, I'm starting to think that he's going to be one of those sub 100 innings pitch yeah. types of guys. I drafted in him in TGFBI, Gary. so I hope not. So there you go. So we're both, so we're at we're at long hands. You want Cabrera yeah. and I want Yuri. We're going to see what yeah. happens. Um, if only we were in the same league, right. we could really we, see we it play out. Yeah, yeah. Um, outside of that, do you have any other articles coming up? Uh, that you want to promote? Um, I will have toward right before the season starts. I will have a Casey Schmidt prospect right up coming up. Um, push it back a little because I wanted to see if he actually did make the Giants. Get some more data on him. Get some more hype. So I've got that coming up. I have another opening day lineup surprises. I'm gonna do not on the dynasty team, but just for pitcher lists in general. Gonna put on an article, kind of trying to predict some surprises that should be coming up in about a week or so. And I actually have a prospect bust article coming out next week on pitcher list. So three guys, all inside most top 100 lists, that two of them are going to probably upset some people. 
I'm going to get some feedback on why they're going to bust, but so look out for those on pitcher list coming up. Okay. Sounds that's, that sounds enticing. Uh, and where can folks find you, uh, uh, elsewhere um, outside of pitcher list can they find you on twitter or where can they yeah so i'm on twitter twitter is what i usually use for most of my stuff at heckman underscore matt 115 you can also read my stuff on fan tracks i do lineup deep dives throughout the season so once every 10 days i'm planning to do an nl lineup article and then every 10 days rotating every five an al lineup article do some XWRC plus, which is a model I built some analysis with that over at fan track. So, but yeah, Twitter, if you want to follow me, follow me on Twitter. That's where I post most of my articles. Then you can find me at pitcher list and fan tracks. Perfect. So we're going to have the top, um, we're going to have Matt's top 10, uh, starting pitching article linked in the show notes. We'll also have, uh, obviously his Twitter handle in the show notes. So you can find him there. Um, so yeah, uh, outside of that, as always, want to remind listeners that you can find this podcast and all of our Pitcher List pods on the Pitcher List Network podcast page. They're all available in the podcast section of Pitcher List for you to find, listen, and subscribe. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at Inside Fastball, capital I, capital F. And with that being said, again, thank you to Matt for joining us and stepping in as our guest. Really appreciate it. Uh, and as I always say, I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day.